this is Derek Harp, the founder and chairman of CSA, and I want to invite you to come to next week's symposium. We are focused on manufacturing uh, for this symposium, the critical infrastructure involved in all of the manufacturing industry vertical. We take this for granted as a society, uh, all of our just-in-time uh, items showing up at our home, not just the manufacturing, but the, the shipping is all now integrated. It all comes, and, and what happens when that gets disrupted? And, uh, you know, we might not care about a toothbrush, but we do care about a lot of other critical manufacturing items. It's $2.3 trillion a year in 2019, uh, just in the U.S. alone. It's, it's certainly a critical part of our economy, uh, and cyber uh, threat actors are taking advantage uh, of every single vertical, including this one. So, you know, I'd like to welcome Colin Dunn, CEO of Fend, and Isaiah Jones, a well-known cybersecurity uh, researcher and practitioner in the space. Uh, both are supporters of CSA, and and uh, and Colin's company has been a sponsor and a sponsor of this event. So, thank you both. What are you seeing out there when it comes to cybersecurity for manufacturing uh, sector? Well, I guess I'll jump in first since I'm currently working for an asset owner, and we're in bio you know, biomanufacturing. So if you cared about COVID vaccines or you care about cures for cancer, autoimmune diseases, biodefense stuff, uh, if you can't manufacture that stuff at scale, then when crisis and pandemics happen, uh, look, <laughs> look how you shut down an entire nation, right? Uh, the food shortages right now, the baby formula stuff that I keep seeing on Twitter. Yeah, when I worked at Jacobs Engineering years ago, I was in the plants in the U.S., for some of our asset owners doing security assessments. And I solved some of the problems we have with under normal circumstances when manufacturing baby food. So if you care about baby food, medicines, vaccines, the food at the grocery store, for those of us that grew up in the ghetto and you know, you talk about food deserts, like in Buffalo, uh, in the grocery store, right? Now you have active shooters and you have manufacturing problems. Like, like you wanna talk about disrupting a society Start messing with manufacturing in the supply chain, right? Parts that you need, parts that are critical for our national security that aren't made here anymore, right? That That's how we can be heard as a nation, right? You don't have to send a nuke anymore. Just go after manufacturing the supply chain. That's my two cents. A good two cents. I think agreeing with Isaiah, it's pretty important to keep our stuff flowing. And then when it comes down to it, our supply chains don't need any additional stress. And we're a manufacturer. It's hard enough making stuff on a good day. But do you throw in a cyber attack on top of that? Not only is it something that could take your IT systems down, but any piece of your production line. It could be a compressor. It could be a chiller. There's just so many vulnerable parts. And we have seen manufacturers bring this equipment online so that they can be more competitive. They can know what's happening but also opening the door to attack, but there's ways to keep attackers out. There's ways to bring that information into the hands of people that need it. And this would be a great session to explore some of those options. Yeah, that that is it's certainly uh, our aim with this, which is to equip people with, here's some things you can do and not the exotic, complicated, you know, the, that last mile stuff. It's like, there's low hanging fruit, especially in some sectors, not to say manufacturing might be a little less mature than some other sectors, but I think it is. There's stuff that can be done, you know, that's, that's low-hanging fruit do that mitigate your risk cut it in half at least you know don't worry about can we get to all the way to super secure maybe you can maybe you can't maybe it's warranted maybe it's not for your environment but my gosh go from where you probably are now to where you could be in shorter order putting some technologies and some practices and some human behaviors in play i would even add uh staffing the biggest problem in, that i've seen in all these sectors but especially in manufacturing because at least in the oil and gas they know you got to have safety people Right. You can't fake your way through that because stuff blows up and OSHA will come after you. Um, but, you know, oil and gas has its problems, too. You know, I worked at FERC in the National Security Office and we always argued with the compliance people. 
because they we were thinking about national security. They were thinking about checking their shit boxes, and we all know that those attacks we saw aren't stopped by compliance, right? Uh, but those sectors aside that are being proactive, the ones that aren't, their biggest problem isn't just throwing technology, at least where I'm at. It's getting management to understand, dude, you need to hire someone to be in the manufacturing plant working with the robot and with the equipment. Like, you're not just getting data. The thing actually produces something that we ingest in our bodies, right? Medicine, food, and just getting them to understand you're not actually cutting costs. Now you got to hire smarter staff that understands how to program the applications, the PLCs, right? And a lot of these companies, they're they're doing it on the cheap, right? Because it's like, I paid for a robot. I can cut the staff. No, you need to shift the staff or get them additional training, right? <laughs> I think that's where manufacturing is screwing up. That idea of robots and automation and efficiency. Oh, my gosh, we've saved, you know, 10% more you know, work can be done with 20% less people. I, I think that's been going on for some years. And, and, and they could calculate, we've saved this much money. And I'd like to say, you know, some portion of what you thought you saved, you didn't save. You, there's a hidden tax that you didn't pay. You didn't secure all this efficiency. So if you go back and say, over the last year, your company, over the last 10 years, your company saved $42 billion, uh, you know, because of all this efficiency. Well, it was more like 30 and you need to spend the 10 billion. I mean, these are obviously not real numbers, but this concept of it wasn't it wasn't as much saving as you thought because you only adopted one part of it. And you didn't do the rest of the work. I mean, and I'm not faulting anybody. Well, people didn't know to do it, but it wasn't as free or as exciting, you know, you know, free lunch. So to speak. Well, one of the assets, I think, that the manufacturing sector has, even if they might be behind some others in cybersecurity, is that safety culture. And if you can start thinking about cybersecurity as something that isn't just for the finance folks to worry about on the payment side, isn't just for the IT people to get backups to the data. But now that it's a safety thing, and if you can attack some of these PLCs, some of these industrial controls, lives are on the line, whether it is the people consuming the baby formula or whether it's the workers that are there next to the machines. If you can start thinking about cybersecurity as key to safety, you start taking it really seriously. And I think that that's something that the manufacturing sector could actually become a lead on. Well, it's not just safety, but it's also like manufacturing and this whole just-in-time stuff. They're worried about OEE, like equipment effectiveness and, and maintenance. It's like, yeah, uh, what do you think is going to happen when someone's manipulating your controller because of speaking SIP or OPC UA, right? That There's no security in that, right? If someone starts manipulating your equipment, you're not just talking about data. You're talking about downtime for production, manipulation of the formula, maybe even theft of the formula if you're competing against, like, who's first to market with a medicine. And I don't think some of them are thinking about that until they get a ransomware attack and then they can't operate. Then that's when they're like, wait, what? You can you can attack manufacturing? Uh, yeah, and ransomware is the easy stuff. You should see the people that are manipulating your logic or stealing other things. <laughs> Those are the things they're not paying attention to. There's all these different slices of, of threat scenarios and people sometimes fixate on one, either overly concerned of it or overly lack of concern. Oh, nation states aren't gonna attack us. Oh, that's one exotic little sliver. Yeah, probably don't spend a lot of time worrying about nation states. But how about, you know, you mentioned a number of them, right? You know, ransomware just now you just can't you can't keep producing your cardboard. You know, you're a cardboard manufacturer. It doesn't sound very sexy, but it's a big business. It's down. You know exactly what it's going to cost you to be down for how many minutes, how many hours. And that's money to be made by the by the threat actors. Right. Just take you down obviously ransom you to pay to go back up. I know, you know, I'm using that example because it's a real example from a couple of years ago. By the time I called the owner of the company, somebody put me in touch with them. They'd already paid because they're like, it was $10,000. We had to pay it. You know, that's built this whole culture of, 
of big, big business for threat actors. Go after these operations. And so you're right, but there's that threat of threat of intellectual or you know intellectual property theft uh, opportunities, no question. You know, like if your process can be reverse engineered, if your formula, as you sort of mentioning, uh, how about disgruntled insiders? You know, I know of another manufacturing concern, maybe headquartered near me. And a couple of years ago, the guy got fired. He went home. He tunneled back in that day, and he did over a million dollars worth of damage in one single plant because there there wasn't process and procedure to stop that from happening. Yeah, I had a plant where I went to with a previous customer when I was you know, working for an integrator. And that actually happened. We were sitting there, they were celebrating, hey, we cut his badge in his laptop. And I'm like, did you put LoJack on that laptop so you can remote wipe it? They're like, no. That's the maintenance technician dude that you hired because he's the only one who understands the equipment. You should be less concerned about cutting him off a Wi-Fi for trying to attack you. He has all the logic and all the licensing and everything else on that laptop. One, your other maintenance guys that has to rebuild it from scratch now. Two, who's he going to give that laptop to, right? They were just thinking about the traditional IT. Oh, we caught him trying to get back in because we fired him on second shift. I'm like, okay, good job, step one. Now, what are you going to do about the laptop? We reported to the cops. Yeah, you're never going to see that again. But it had all your programming logic on there. And FYI, uh, what do you think operates your batch process? The logic in the PLC and all the process flow diagrams or whatever else was on that laptop, the PNIDs. Everything that he needed to figure out how to program it, fix the batch process, do maintenance and troubleshooting is on that stupid laptop and it's in the wind. So, yeah, I mean, insider threats, integrators making mistakes, integrators going out of business or the guy that used to do it 10 years ago is dead now. So, like, there's nobody there that remembers how it works. I mean, there's all types of problems that manufacturing should be worried yeah. about. <laughs> The nice thing is that these are some of the low-hanging fruit, and you don't have to unplug everything and just go back to manual control. There's some basic things you can do to help protect you from that situation, but it's uh, it's a constant battle and just reminders uh, to do it sometimes and other times, making sure that that's part of your staff's culture. It's There's, there's lots to do, but there's lots, lots that can be gained. Absolutely. Well, we'll end on a positive note that there is a lot of action that can be taken, a lot of risk to be mitigated. Thank you, Colin Dunn, Isaiah Jones. Uh, for uh, taking a little time with me today and for supporting our events and for Isaiah for being one of our fellows, the contributions uh, from uh, folks like you that help our nonprofit help the workforce. So it's sort of members helping members is my our slogan and watchword of the day. And you guys are certainly great examples uh, of that uh, year round. So thank you for both of that. And uh, we'll see you soon. Stay safe in the, in the meantime. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for the invite. Thank you. Bye, Jeff.